It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 9th of January. Nikola Miritich. Do we like him, and is it likely? We'll talk about all the rumors circulating around the Jazz, plus the power forward situation. We'll explain that a little bit, look at some geeky numbers as well, and it's Time Machine Tuesday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. So glad to be with you today. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, bringing you insight, expertise, behind the curtains, details, and some geeky numbers. We'll do that today as well. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate anyone who's given us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is. Those do matter. It is much appreciated. If you're new to the show, we do it every day, and we're sure glad to to have you aboard. Hopefully you'll enjoy this and get some insight on your favorite NBA team or the NBA as a whole. Today's show is brought to you on this Tuesday, January 9th, by my friends at Murdoch Hyundai as well as by Intercap Mortgage. That's right. There is a 40-year-old mortgage company that has come to Utah and gives you a great opportunity. Uh, I'm using them right now. They're one of the largest independent mortgage companies in the country. They now have a headquarters in Utah, 190 people working in Utah. They have been really fabulous, interesting experience uh, as we're refinancing our house, saving $600 a month on our refi. Pretty excited. Uh, about that's a lot huge amount so excited all right let's find more information than you need to know let's get to today's show all right so the the hot rumor out there is that Nikola Mirotic who Chicago has asked Chicago to trade wants to come to the Utah Jazz Mirotic has a little bit of a trade has a ability to kind of hold up trades and and has a no trade clause due to his contract. So let me let's back up a little bit on who this guy is. He is 26 years old. He was one of the hottest players in Europe for the years. In fact, during the whole Carlos Boozer era, uh, there was always talk that maybe you trade to Chicago. Chicago wouldn't, you know, Miritich was the guy they would never give up. He played for Real Madrid. Came to the NBA in 2015 after being the EuroLeague Rising Star twice, the Spanish League MVP in 2013. This this, this was going to be one of the kind of great European players to come to the NBA. His first year in the league, he was pretty good. In fact, early in his career, he was great. He was the Rookie of the Month, I think, in December. And there were all these high hopes for him. And then he's been moderately inconsistent since then uh and the question is who is he really this uh, this year has been highlighted by he got punched out by bobby portis broke his jaw and then in the 17 games since he's come back he's been brilliant if you look at his career his first year at 23 years old he played 82 games rookie year he averaged 10 points 
he the, the important one is he shot 32% from three. And then the question started like, well, wait a sec. Can he actually, is he actually a shooter? Like he came to the league as the new European stretch four who was took 50% of his shots from three. And now what? Then in 2015-16, he became he almost exclusively a three-point shooter. He stopped going to the line. He stopped driving. Uh, people in Chicago got a little frustrated with him. His free throws, which were three and a half a game, his rookie year went to two and a half and then to about one and a half. His rebounding has always been just moderate for a 6'10 guy. And then last year, he didn't shoot it well again. He shot 39% his second year. Last year, he shot 34%. So, what? who is he? That's the biggest question. In the NBA world, due to nylon calculus, they did a really interesting research project, which is at about 753s. That's when you know what somebody's three-point shooting is. That once you've taken 753s, your your next uh, 750 are likely to be the same. Okay, so that's now I I don't know if that's perfect. If you that was at his two and a half year mark. Um, for him. At, of threes and his shooting percentage in that time period and I'm, I'm kind of guesstimating here to be honest with you I've kind of what I've done is I've just split his second his third year of the NBA in half to get close to he taken a thousand threes by the time he hit his third year in the NBA and so that seemed like too many, so I just split the difference and tried to uh, call, you know, and assumed without digging in too deeply, uh, without going, you know, bananas with the numbers, tried to figure out whether or not that that's uh, that seemed like a fairly good way to do it. Does that make sense? That I, I just split his third year in half and said, okay, we'll, we'll call that good and work from there. And that's basically he comes out as about a 36% three-point shooter. He's at 46 right now. Uh, I'm not sure that that's, you know, did something really change or is he just hot? And that's probably the biggest question you have to be able to, to decide with Miritich. I'm going to decide that if you take his, you know, you split that in half, I'm at 847 threes, so a little bit past the the 740 mark, 750 mark, and it comes out that he's a 35.3% three-point shooter. I, I, I'm guessing, I like nylon calculus theory. I'm guessing if you think you're acquiring, then you're probably acquiring a 35% three-point shooter, not a 47% three-point shooter. So average, an average three-point shooter. Now, right now, he's way above that. His effective field goal percentage for his career, 51%. Right now, he's at 59.7. But this is a, you know, 
I, I think it would be a faulty belief that you take what is 7% of his career and decide that's the new him, if that makes sense. So, let's work with, I now think he's a six foot ten, 35% three-point shooter, who is a below-average rebounder, can stretch the floor. What I do think is real is he's shown an ability to put the ball on the floor. He's not shooting as many threes as he did before. His, his percentage of shots, their threes are at 48% instead of 60% last year. Last year, he just really became only a three-point shooter, and his free throw rate is back up closer to where it was earlier in his career. His rookie year, he went to the free throw line a ton and then just stopped that. So I do think that that's real, that he's kind of gone back to driving to the basket more, playing off the bounce. His percentage of shots he's taking at in the rim area are back up to 22%. They were 26% his rookie year. Um, he's actually increased his mid-range long, too, which is not the greatest thing ever. Um, but that's who he is. So in summation, the player we're talking about is a six foot ten stretch four who is not particularly athletic. Um, haven't ever thought of him as much of a defensive player. He's going to have a little bit of a hard time with switchability on the outside to a one, but is a... And has been a 35% three-point shooter. So it's a mixed bag a little bit. Like, it's not. So then that gets to the next. I mean, I like him, right? And I think it fits us. He matches Rudy well. He wants to come. Uh, he does move the basketball. He hasn't moved it as much. Actually, he started to move it a lot recently. He When we saw him, he did wasn't moving it at all. Uh, he had, like, a stretch of four games where was, when he came back from being punched out that he was like, I'm going to shoot every time I touch the ball. Um, that has changed recently. He, his first four games back, he did not have an assist. Like when we saw him, he put twenty nine on us. He, since then, he's changed. Now he's you know he's got three four assists a game. His minutes are way down though, um, and he's actually to his credit rebounded better than I just characterized him. His rebounding percentage, his career is ten percent I think on the on the defensive glass. So that's why I called him not very good rebounder. But this year he's rebounded at a much higher rate eight nine ten a game with some regularity. So that's that's encouraging. He is a much better player right now than he's ever been. And so that's part of what you got to figure out also is for all the analysis I just gave at 26, did something just happen that made him a better player? The Are the Jazz interested? Yeah, absolutely. And he's interested in coming to Utah. So that's that stuff's, that stuff's legit and real. Now, let's get to can it happen. And the answer on whether or not uh, it can happen or not gets pretty complicated. So the Bulls have been clear in their public stance about their what they want is they want an expiring contract and first-round pick. So they don't want to take on any salary, and they want a first-round pick. Okay, the expiring contract we can do with probably multiple players. Um, you know, the most commonly talked about is Fave. Do they have Robin Lopez. They like Robin Lopez. They would have to be deciding they want Fave instead of Robin Lopez. I don't know if they're going to decide that. 
So that leads me to believe that Fave's not getting it done. Right? It matches beautifully on numbers, but Robin Lopez has another year left on his deal. Um, you know, you can just go trade Miritich at 12.5 for Faves at 12, and, and that's nice. But they want to, you know, they they may not want that. Fave doesn't have, they have Robin Lopez. So Faves may not have any value. So the next name is AB, because that just matches salary-wise. We're just walking down the Jazz salary list. But that has another year on their contract. They don't want that. So the next one's Joe Johnson. They're not on a playoff run, so they have no value of that. So they, the question then gets to be on all of these, whether it's A.B., Joe Johnson, or Derek Favors, only picking those three because those are the salaries that match Miritich's 12.5, is are you willing to give a first-round pick? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, not without a lot of protections. We, we, we're on the verge right now. If the season ends, we're a lottery team. Maybe it's only a 3% chance that goes to the top three, but you can't bypass that 3% chance for Miritich. He's not that good. So the talks are going on. That is accurate. The communication has happened. That is accurate. That's just everybody doing their job. The likelihood of it happening when you get into the reality of how you're going to get a deal done, honestly, I don't see the answer. The answer is that nobody else is one to give Chicago a first-round draft pick for Miritich, which may or may not be true. And the fact that, you know, the good teams, Cleveland and Golden State, they're all up on the luxury tax. So they've got to take back. They can't just absorb a contract. They've got, they got to send back $12 million, and I don't know who they're sending back either with their pick. One of the questions is, would you, if it's A, B, only because you get out from under a, con- a year of a contract, are you more likely to give up a pick? And then, if it's Fave. That, that's one of the discussion points that has to be had. But my summation on this is, I don't see the likely result where it ends up in a deal. I I really don't. Um, and I don't think that we're at a point where we're giving up first-round draft picks. I don't know this draft well enough to understand what the value of that pick is. But again, I think there's five players in this draft that are really, really good. And I'm not sure we're giving up a 3% chance to get them. So maybe you're protecting it in some capacity. Eventually, maybe you protect it enough. That if you make the playoffs again in the near future, you lose it. And Miritich obviously would be a part of us making the playoffs, so then that's worth it. And it's well enough protected, so if, hey, if we're in the, you know, 20 through 30, you get it. If not, it rolls into two first, second round picks at some point in time. Maybe that's the compromise. But that's only after everybody else in the market doesn't give a first round pick. So that's where I think we stand. I mentioned them earlier. It's kind of exciting. There is a mortgage company that has come to Utah, Intercap. A 40-year mortgage company has come to Utah. It's a win for you. 
I loved meeting with them and talking to them and actually having the experience of getting my mortgage refinanced. And one of their guys, Steve, said to me, we're going to try to make getting a mortgage as easy as ordering a pizza. Now, there are no government regulations on ordering a pizza, so they cannot do exactly that. But Intercap can try to make it as simple, as straightforward, and as enjoyable as possible. Right now, when you go online, just order a pizza, right? Go to whatever your Papa John's app, order your pizza, either deliver to you or you go get it. You actually can do a lot of that at Intercap. Download the app in the App Store, and you can check out what loan programs there might be for you. We're refinancing. You can pre-qualify without talking to anyone. The market's insane, changing as well right now. So there's a real value in looking into what you might pre-qualify for and what you can do. Intercap's in 44 states. It's a long, long time. They've moved their headquarters to Utah, and they're now here for you, employing over 190 people in Utah. Intercap's going to close the loan, close on time, communicate throughout the the application, communicate through through the app, get your appraisal done, streamline the process. It's really cool. I get updates throughout. I can check on the app at any single time on Intercap of where my mortgage is and where it stands, what's the next thing. I... Most of the documents I just took pictures of and sent it down the app to be able to get it done. It's been a very enjoyable experience with hyper-responsive element, and it has been great for me because, as I shared earlier, we're saving a ton of money. Intercap, download the app, see what you pre-qualify for, and start the experience of they're not going to really give you sausage and pepperoni on top of your house, but it's kind of like making it as simple as ordering a pizza. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, a lot of questions have been coming to me about the power forward situation, and then I want to play around with some geeky numbers, then we'll do time machine. Uh, So the feeling is the Jazz that cannot play three power forwards on a given night. So Tabo is playing power forward because we're stretching the floor. Jarebko and Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson, coming back from the injury, definitely, I mean, there's only 22 guys in the history of the league who have ever played as many minutes as him. So definitely, you know, trying to beat father time. 
but he can score at a way that no very few other guys on a roster can. Moreover, there's a level of respect he's earned in his career, frankly, that matters. Like, it might not matter to you on the Internet just saying, oh, we should take him out. Eh, but in the locker room, around the league, how the Jazz are perceived, those things matter. Uh, Tabo has brought a leadership and an uh, element. Terebko played really, really well and did a nice job, and now all of a sudden he's out of the rotation. That's got to be really hard on him. So... Tabo's 33 and been beaten up at times, so Quinn is trying to manage which player he can use in which spot that's most efficient for each day. And for right now, the feeling is, if we're going to have Joe Johnson on the roster, you got to play him. You know, Joe Johnson's just not a, not a DNP guy. And can score in a way that the other guys can't. So that's kind of where they are. That's the thought process behind it. Uh, I know there's been a lot of questions about it from, from fans. The one question I, I do kind of, I hear, and I, I don't have a, you know, play Jarebko and Joe Johnson and turn Tabo into a small forward. You're then benching Alec Burks. So you have to decide whether you want A.B. playing um or whether you want Tabo play or Jarebko playing, because Tabo kind of is going to play. Um, I saw some people saying I can't justify in any way, shape, or form how AB's playing over Royce O'Neal. Okay, like I like Royce O'Neal. I think it's a great story, but let's not fall so far in love with the flavor of the month that we just degrade AB without like being on. So. I, I like Royce O'Neal. I think it's a great find by Dennis. I'm a fan. Um, I think he did a lot of things really, really well. Uh, so let me clarify. Like, I'm a fan. I think he plays defense. I think he rebounds. I think he moves the ball. I think he's going to be an NBA player. But, like, to make that kind of comment, which I read out, I did see on the Internet by someone who's a an active reporter is... Like, Royce O'Neal shot 22% in the last seven games. So, let's not get too carried away with this. A.B., your, your decision is whether you... Do you think that the Jazz should be playing... Move Tabo back to the three. He's probably our best... The numbers say he's our best power forward. So, you can play Jarebko over Alec Burks. And then, are you really better with... Tabo the three versus Tabo the four. AB's actually been one of our best plus minus players this year, which is very different than what he's been in the past. Tabo has been too. But AB's struggling. Right? Since since the day Rudy went out, AB shot 32% from the field and 20% from three. So he's struggling too. So it's not to say he's not struggling, but he's also grabbing four rebounds and doing some other things. And... um. But that's really the, the the decision is that you can't play three power forwards. And then the internet discussion is whether Tabo should slide back to the three, but make sure you realize you're losing your best four at that point. So it's interesting. It's a worthwhile discussion. Uh, I want to look at impredictable for a second because I love this stuff. This is looking at the offensive numbers of the Jazz. 
So according to Impredictable, the Jazz are the 24th ranked offense in the league. And we hold the ball for the 24th amount of time. After a made shot, okay, so taking the ball out of the net, after a made shot, we're last in the NBA offensively. Surprising. But half-court set, after a made shot, we're last in the league. We're playing much faster than we have in the past. We're 22nd in pace after those. Remember, after defensive rebounds this year, we wanted to push. We're 15th in the league after defensive rebounds in scoring. 27th in pace. We're 19th in the league after turnovers, which we're forcing a good deal about. 23rd in pace. But much, our pace way up, right? We're 30th. If we look at it since Rudy's been out, since the, and this is going to be ugly because these are the struggles, right? Um, and let me just make sure I hit something. I want to make sure it's still right. Uh, um, so I want to look at since Rudy's been out since December fifteenth, this this recent stretch, and see what we find out. And again. We find out that in that span, over that span, we're actually last offensively. This is where the, and we're last in the league after made shots. So the whole stretch where we were so good offensively without Rudy now is not happening. After defensive rebounds, though, we're 16th in the league, and after turnovers, we're 20th in the league, and we're playing a good deal faster. I don't know, I, I'm, I've always been lost on what the value of faster is, but it's an in thing. We're 16th in the league in pace play after turnovers. We're 21st in pace play after defensive rebounds. After misses, we're 16th in the league offensively and 20th after turnovers. But after makes, we're scuffling. It's interesting, at least to me. Since Rudy's been out defensively, we're 23rd in the league 24th in the league defensively. 22nd after made shots. 22nd after our offensive misses. And 16th after turnovers. We're actually doing a great job of getting back defensively. So, we're forcing people into the slow possessions after we commit a turnover and slow possessions after we miss. Nicely defensively. For the season, those same numbers, not just since the injury, we're the ninth best defensive team, seventh best after we make a shot, tenth best after a defensive rebound, nineteenth best after turnover, but holding to a pretty slow pace of play. I don't know, I thought those were interesting. So I, I wanted to share uh, kind of – I always like that possession breakdown. Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Hyundai. Blake and the crew over at Murdoch Hyundai have got 1.99% going for you right now. Plus, you get the amazing no regrets experience. I've enjoyed to get to know the Murdochs, and I, and I actually feel very comfortable 
telling you about the Murdochs because of interacting with Blake and Tyson over there as well and understanding that, you know, what they really want to make sure you get is that no regrets experience. Low cost, price match guarantee on every model, car wash for life, safety inspection for life, and a five-day exchange policy. The Hyundai Santa Fe has been one of the cars I have driven and really enjoyed as much as any out there. Just a fabulous, fabulous value for what you can get. Check it out. They also have the Tucson, which the new Tucsons, the 2018 Tucsons, they've changed the engine a little bit. They've souped it up. It's pretty nice. And then if you're in the market for a hybrid, check out the Ionic. We still have not sold any more Ionics, people. We got to sell some more Ionics. I'm trying to sell the market out of Ionics. I want to drive down the street and see someone in an Ionic. I drove the Ionic for a while, which is their hybrid, total peppy, fun hybrid, up and down Parley Summit with no problem and maintaining speed the whole way. But I never, it's the only car I've ever driven where I never saw somebody else in the same car. It's kind of cool. But now I want to see people. Now I'm going to be driving by waving at you even though I'm not in an Ionic. You think it's really, really weird. Check out Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. You can see what the latest of what's going on there. Find out about the Murdoch Promise and the no regrets, and then 1.99% with Golden West Credit Union right now. Plus, every Hyundai gets the 100,000-mile Hyundai Assurance Guarantee. It's over at 4646 South State Street in Murray. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, Time Machine Tuesday. Let's go to it. Let's pick into my bag. I travel with the bag. Let's see what year we get. He reaches in. Ooh, 1988-89 for the Utah Jazz. The 1988-89 season. Let me go look it up and see what we were doing on January 9th. I'm going to guess we were home because in those days we uh, we almost hit the anniversary here. In 88-89, uh, this is the year in which Frank Late Jerry Sloan has taken over for Frank Layton in 88-89. And on January 9th or thereabouts, let's check in the time machine and see what we have. The Jazz played the Charlotte Hornets. We're actually back on the road. And the Jazz, having lost in Milwaukee the night before, blew out the Charlotte Hornets 114-92. to The Jazz went to 19-14. and 
The Hornets went to 9-23. and 23. They were not good. The Jazz started that day. John Stockton, Daryl Griffith, Mark Ivoroni, Carl Malone, and Mark Eaton. Off the bench came Big T Thurl Bailey, who had 14 points, 5 rebounds, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 turnovers. Jim Farmer played 21 minutes. Jim Farmer, that's a name I didn't... I like no jazz history pretty well. Jim Farmer played 136 games. He was out of the University of Alabama. So originally a first-round draft pick by Dallas. Played his second year in 37 games with the Jazz. That's it. Wow. A name signed on a 10-day contract by the Jazz and then was drafted by the Orlando Magic in the expansion draft the next year. I learned something new. Eric Lechner, the rookie out of Wyoming. Jim Les, Mike Brown, and Jose Ortiz for the Jazz. Pace of play in that game was 96, so they played pretty fast. Jazz led by 8 at the end of 1 and then led by 27 at the half. So he was on this hapless Charlotte team. The Charlotte team started Michael Holton, who's now doing TV for Portland. Kelly Tribuca, the former Jazz man. Robert Reed, Earl Curitan, and Kurt Rambis. That is an awful team. Rex Chapman, Dave Hoppin, Tim Kempton, now broadcaster for the Suns, Muggsy Bogues, Ricky Green, and Del Curry. So three former jazz men. Ralph Lewis, who was a, I, I worked with as an assistant coach in Seattle. That was a bad Charlotte team. They were 9-23. and 23. The Jazz continued on their road trip to go to Miami the next night and win on a back end of a back-to-back before coming home against San Antonio and going back on the road. Wow, that's a brutal stretch. The Jazz did their East Coast road trip, came home for three, went on the road for five, came home for one, went back on the road for two. Jazz would finish that year 51-31 and 31 and then get swept despite being favored by the Golden State Warriors in the first round of the playoffs when I think George Carl got for Jerry Sloan. I think George Carl was the head coach. Maybe Don Nelson. But the Jazz lost that playoff series. Salt Palace is where we were playing them to the Chris Mullen, Mitch Richmond-led Warriors. and wasn't good, if I remember correctly. I also think we... By that time, like, Daryl Griffith was coming off the bench, and there were all sorts of weird stuff that season. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today, Time Machine Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed it. And the breakdown of all the rest of it, you can get Locked on NBA. We do the biggest stories with the local experts all coming your direction today as well. Hope you have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz, brought to you today by Murdoch Hyundai and Intercap Mortgage, as well as SeatGeek. Thank you very much. It is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.